Hey, hi. Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is the other thing I do. It's time for another Friday bonus episode, and my guest is zooming in all the way from New Zealand. It's Jermaine Clement, who you may know from his work in Flight of the Concords or his appearances in everything from Eagle vs. Shark and Men in Black 3 to The BFG, Divorce, Noah Hawley's Legion, and of course, both the movie and the TV series What We Do in the Shadows, which he co-created with Taika Waititi and ran here in Toronto for two magnificent seasons. You can now see him opposite Gillian Jacobs in I Used to Go Here, a sort of arrested coming-of-age comedy from writer-director Chris Ray that's now available on digital and on demand. Jermaine picked Robocop, Paul Verhoeven's dystopian vision of the future of law enforcement, which landed on the theatrical landscape of 1987 like a hand grenade built on satire and spectacle. Peter Weller plays Murphy, a lawman in near-future Detroit who becomes the unlucky subject for a corporate project to create the perfect police officer and then devotes himself to finding the scumbags who murdered him. We didn't have a lot of time to talk because this was a press day, but I think this was a pretty good conversation and also somehow involves Indiana Jones. This is someone else's movie. The reason I've seen Robocop so many times is that we had a pirated copy of it in my house. So it was the easiest movie to watch, but it is also a great movie. Yeah. So how old were you when that happened, when you got hold of it? I'd say 14. So exactly the right age. Yeah. I, I already had the stickers. You know, I guess they promoted them in video stores that so they had... Warning, this house is protected by Robocop. <laughs> that looks like a security sticker and things like that that I had on my bedroom window and uh, things like that. So I was, I was excited about the movie, although I couldn't I couldn't go and watch it in the cinema. So I think it was too young. Yeah, uh, it was a hard R here in Ontario. You had to be 18 to get in, but I was. And I remember watching it with an audience on opening. It must have been the opening weekend. And, you know, 300 people just having their minds blown by <laughs> right right there's a similar feeling with the uh, one the film that i went to that had that that i did get to go to they had that feeling was the matrix like sure. no one no one w had seen anything like it and i um i remember walking out out of that movie and the guy just a guy who had, hadn't seen the movie just came up to me and was like trying to start a fight or something. And in my head, I was going, are you crazy? I've just seen the <laughs> Matrix. I know Kung Fu now from watching the Matrix. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I think it gave me an, un, uh, an unwarranted and possibly dangerous sense of confidence. Yeah. Um, Robocop yeah. had a great a feeling like that. There's, there's all these things you hadn't seen before as well as, um, as, well as the satire that you weren't expecting. Oh, not, not at all. I mean, I, you know, the, the poster was very serious. The trailers were very serious. There was no suggestion going in that you were going to see something that wasn't a hundred percent clenched, you know, Schwarzenegger Stallone, because it was the eighties and that's yeah. what they were making. Yeah. Yeah. And those things here, those Stallone and uh, Schwarzenegger movies had funny moments and, sure. you know, Schwarzenegger had all his one-liners, but this, the whole world was, a funny world, you know, a, a parody of our own world. Yeah, and of course we've caught up to it, which That's which is right. the other thing. <laughs> That's right. It's more like that. Yeah, it's much more like that now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this the the remake came out, I think, twenty fourteen, and it's depressingly 
uh, it's not it's not satirical. It's just like, well, in the future, there are going to be big factories and, and corporations. You can't top what Verhoeven and, and Ed Neumeyer did in 87. It's just... It's... No, well, they, what they... Yeah, what, and, and a lot of what they did was bring humor to a humorless genre. Mm-hmm. Usually humorless genre. Though, though I got to give the exception to those Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. There's, some of those are really funny. The, it's um, true, yeah. Uh, you know, Total Recall has a lot of funny and inventive moments. Oh, Verhoeven again, right? I mean, he yeah, just... that's right, that's right. His, his approach to uh, American culture continues to be really fascinating to me in that he just, he always finds the thing that is most objectionable and makes sure we laugh at it. Right, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, the, um, and it was also playing on that, uh, the nuclear paranoia of the time where they're playing with uh, a nuclear war-based board game, which I... You know, That's once right. I would have been able to quote it word for word, but now I can't remember the name. Yeah. Oh, yes. You nuked my... <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah, it's the game of life except death. Yeah. With the, with the pop-up thing in the center. It's uh, And again, it's just perfect. And it was it was all in the script. It was all ready to go. And somehow, uh, just thinking about it again, like it, it's Kurtwood Smith is just amazing in that. It's one of those things where he pops and... Suddenly, you've never seen this guy before. He's got glasses. He's got a receding hairline, and he's still the most terrifying thing in the film because yeah. he's cheerful. Right? Yeah. In yeah. his sadism, yeah, he was. He was scary. That whole yeah, that whole gang, <laughs> that whole gang was scary. And when you were the age I was, seeing um, seeing someone like covered in acid melting oh, right. and driven through and then falling apart. Yeah. Those, those things were fun. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't see, I don't watch anything like, I, I don't think there is another thing like that. Um, Starship Troopers is also, um, he did it again. Yeah, and a, a film that people again, missed again, out people completely. Yeah. Even though, I guess people in those days weren't so, uh, didn't necessarily follow a director's work, except for, you know, a few very famous ones. Uh, so... I remember that audience being surprised that yeah. that movie was funny. I mean, I just, I remember uh, watching it with an audience that had absolutely no idea how to process it. Uh, same, I mean, the same with RoboCop, but RoboCop has a different energy. You can watch RoboCop and not get the satire and still enjoy yeah. it because... And it's still exciting and it's still a great story and a great philosophical uh, question about what makes a person a person and, you know, all those things yeah. as well as great dumb action sequences you know it's it's such a mixture of different things yeah it's exhilarating but then at the end of starship troopers you've got doogie hauser showing up in full nazi regalia that's right (laughs) and it's glorious i mean it really is when it happens but the audience was not like oh this is the logical extension of what lucas said about lenny riefenstahl directing star wars this is where you'd end up and my my audience, my preview audience, who'd won tickets from the radio, did not know how to process that. Right. Yeah. Which is Verhoeven's gift, right? He can he can do that. And in in RoboCop, we, uh, um, I was trying to figure out how to get to there logically, but I think we just have to jump right in. You you have the additional amazing quality of whatever it is Peter Weller is doing. Um, he took mime classes and trained with. I want to say it was a yeah. Well, he. Well, maybe a break dancer? Uh, I was going to say Japanese puppeteers, but <laughs> right. maybe both. 
Well, he does a great, really subtle robot movement, doesn't he? That yeah. Is, and that's um, any time I've, in a role, tried to have some kind of physical training, it's re- it's a real um, it's a real discipline to completely erase any sense of your own natural movement. Mm-hmm. And he's doing it under like eighty pounds of plastic and latex and metal. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, who knows? That might that might assist. Uh, with the stiff movement but it might not yeah and he still he still has to find ways to suggest human i mean there's that moment where he walks into his old where where robocop walks into murphy's old home and Mm. stops and pauses and and it's such a strange it's like it's a purely mechanical thing like he's glitching but there's a physical pain to it that weller uh, projects it's and he's only got this as well for a lot of it yes from his nose down yeah it's incredible it's um it's just uh it's such a fascinating performance and and watching the sequel just sort of decide to go in a different direction entirely and give him more comic role let let robocop be funny for a bit rather than have him be the straight man in in an insane world which makes him so much more sense and makes it tragic in the first film and mm-hmm. i it's one of those properties where every sequel makes it lesser because you're just yes, chipping right. away at it that's right. I even even though I, I watched that and was excited to see it, sure. I don't remember it. No. I don't remember the second I, I, one. I went back and, I mean, I think he flies in the third one. And in the second one, right. yeah. the second one is Tom Noonan as, as a drug kingpin whose head is just basically in the end dumped into a larger robot body. And it's fine, but we don't need it. The first film really does say everything it needs to say. Yeah. The other thing that made that... Uh, um, exciting was the I, I remember having that video uh, I told all of my friends at school and a friend of my a friend of mine wanted to watch it and I remember him waiting out on his bike and then I'm taking out the, the the VHS the dubbed VHS that had Robocop written on it and it's like it's dubbed I said yeah that's illegal <laughs> <laughs> that makes it better <laughs> so he didn't take it then I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Genuine <laughs> well, contraband. Just... <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's wonderful. It's, I mean, it was, was it one of those films in, in New Zealand that was sort of a legend before it ever got to you that the, 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 the reputation preceded it? I, I remember being excited about the idea of that. So, yeah, for me it was. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I wonder what it's like for kids now. I mean, just to discover anything with, the trailers at your fingertips, the clips are at your fingertips, there's interviews everywhere. Back then, you really had to physically possess something in order to see it. Well, I have go- an 11-year-old, and he's quite discerning about what he watches, which is oh, yeah. good news. You know, he doesn't have to watch. You know, we'd sit in front of the TV for a certain amount of hours. Some things you don't like, you just have to wait for three of them to get to the one you like. And he doesn't have to do that. This generation <laughs> doesn't have to do that. They can, you know, go towards their interests. Yeah. So what does he like these days? Uh, he watches a lot of documentaries. Um, he loves he loves the Studio Ghibli films. Um, his favorite one is Nausicaa, which is quite a, oh, quite a strange one. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but, but interesting, full of interesting ideas. Another dystopia. Yeah. Interesting dystopia. Um, I wonder if and, some part of us isn't preparing for that. I mean, right now, everybody's just watching the worst case scenario. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh god <laughs> that's a horrible idea the um yeah. uh you know what we watched that we watched all of the indiana jones movies and i'd never seen the third one and that was fantastic the, oh, the yeah. one with short connery yeah 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 that was yeah. really good holds up well, it was, the third one yeah, yeah I guess saw the, a couple it might be the best one in some ways yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, w- I mean, I yeah. was. Uh, I was 12 when I saw the first movie in a theater. Again, preview audience, actually. My first preview audience ever. And nothing like... That, that got you hooked. I have been chasing that high ever since. <laughs> you ought to be the first. Yeah. Oh, it was fantastic. And, and again, you know, people knew who Harrison Ford was, and we were happy to see an adventure movie. But a film, yeah. you know, imagine not knowing anything at all about Indiana Jones or the character or the world he's in and starting that film. It's just... yeah. You know, now we all just. Well, well I, my my experience is different because I watched them again as adult, as an adult. Right. So, um, I, I the third one has quite a a good personal story, and it's one you haven't seen of a son and his father that he can't live up to. Yeah. It's, a, it's interesting uh, in the backdrop of you know an adventure, wartime movie yeah yeah well we've actually done that film specifically on the podcast with with grace lynn kung and and it is kind of amazing to realize that they the only way you can find as a storyteller to make indiana jones vulnerable is to put him in a situation with his dad like everything else they've yeah. ever thrown at him is, is not faced that's at all. right it's a, yeah yeah oh snakes yeah he doesn't like snakes but he's got a good reason for that which we find out in this movie too that's right and yeah. they, they built that up quite well too yeah, oh, it's just it's, yeah, it's a it's it's pleasurable in a way that well, I, I keep trying to find a way to bring it back to RoboCop, but I think those are the most disparate concepts. So Indiana Jones classical adventure story, and future near future present dystopian yeah. ro- robot zombie movie. Yeah, I mean Spielberg says he's going to make a fifth one. Then we might as well see where that goes. But I don't want to see Indiana Jones. Like I don't want to see Harrison Ford walking around in a robot suit. That seems wrong. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, I wouldn't suggest they do that. No. Now I'm picturing it, and that's not healthy. But to get back to, to Robocop, though, because I know we're going to run out of time any minute, um, is you mentioned the physical thing. Is there anything that you... It's so, it's so different to... Uh, I used to go here. So yes. The polar opposite of that film. I was um, going to say, the, uh, the question I always ask at the end of the podcast is if, if there's anything from the film that you've taken or used, but I am trying for the life of me. The only thing I can think of is that in Community, there was a great joke, one episode where Gillian Jacobs had to say robot cop like she'd never heard of the movie. And that is it. That is the wall I've hit. So Right. What well, there is a, that is a connection. <laughs> it, it, it took a while to find it. I got nothing. Is there anything though uh, that you've used over your own work that that references it, or or in any way is influenced by it? Uh, well, I make the show in New Zealand, and we had a robot episode, which um, you know, like a a bunch of old technology, all your old cell, cell phones and stuff, forming into <laughs> a giant robot. Okay. So we did an episode like that, and yeah, we would talk about Robocop and, and Terminator as the two things. Thanks, yeah, I did. Uh, I guess you can't really get away from them at this point. And I and I did um you know, the reason I know about how, how hard it is to to perform physically is I did the BFG, which was with Steven Spielberg. Yeah. And um we had to train to walk like giants. And and um 
because I'm a lumbering guy anyway, that wasn't too hard, but it, but you, um, you do, you know, you, you, you start, you have to study yourself and that's a hard thing to watch at any time. You've yeah. just, you, you have to be aware of what your body is, is doing in a way that you never think of. Yeah. And turn yourself off effectively to play the character. Yeah. And that's one thing that's impressive about his performance as, as well as conveying emotions when he has so little expression to work with. Yeah. I think it's fantastic too, that Nancy Allen is so reactive against the, the facade of, of Murphy Robocop where she's yeah. doing the work for us too. She's showing us her character. The horror of it. Yeah. yeah. Lewis is processing it, processing it all the time. And uh, in the end, there's she, like her getting shot in the in the final confrontation gives us that horrible, beautiful line like they'll fix you, they fix everything. It's just oh yeah, that's right. So chilling, and then they didn't buy into it. They didn't do anything with it in the sequel, which was just such a. It felt like such a missed opportunity. I mean, otherwise, where do you go? It's Bride of Frankenstein, but I would watch that. Yeah, Robocop's plural. Yeah. Why not? Alien they'll aliens. That's the other thing I did. I used to. Um, uh, that was one of my impersonations of my teenage years. You have 20 seconds to comply. Uh, <laughs> you know? oh, man, we didn't even talk about Ed. Ed 209 is such, it's no, such yeah. a great idea. A giant angry baby. Yeah. I mean, that's... And it's, the, uh, it's quite cute now because it's stop motion. It must have been one of the last big stop motion um, special effects. Yeah, it's, um, it was Phil Tippett, right, who ended up... Uh, he was sort of the leading force in transitioning to CG with Jurassic Park. Right. He was he was the one who figured that out. But there is something, yeah, something truly beautiful and lovable about that monster. Like it's introduced as a full-size replica that murders someone horribly in front of our eyes yeah. and we still like it. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I liked it, but then you do kind of feel for it when it can't navigate the stairs. Exactly. And it's that, such a yeah, it's such a great obstacle it's that this is what it can't do. Yeah. Stairs. That one little moment where it reaches out with its one toe and that's right. It's like it's, like a in a cold in a cold ocean. Yeah, it's adorable. It's so I yeah, so. I a, mo so. a moment of silence for Ed Two and Nine who never wanted to be born, <laughs> no, <that's, laughs> or, yeah. or only wanted to climb stairs. Mm. My thanks to Jermaine Clement, who you can and should see opposite Gillian Jacobs in "I Used to Go Here," available on digital and on demand right now. Thanks also to Brianna Hurley. She knows what she did. You can find Jemaine on Twitter at Clement, all one word, and you can find Robocop on Blu-ray in a shiny new special edition from Arrow Films. It's also available on Apple TV and Google Play. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com, where I'm also hosting a bunch of podcasts these days. Go check those out. And you can find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at SomeoneElsesMovie.com. Our theme song is by the last year. If you like it, or this show in general, say something. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you've been enjoying us. Every little bit helps. It truly does. And check out the other shows on the Frequency Podcast Network. Black Tea is coming back. Stay inside. Watch movies. Wear a mask if you go out. Be like Robocop. He's a good dude. I'll see you next time.